it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we ask that you bless your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. We're starting a new series this month entitled Thrive or Survive. Everybody say Thrive or Survive. And the series name, of course, is over the course of this whole month, and we're going to be addressing relationship statuses. And so if you are married, you should be in this room. And if you're visiting us and you're not married, then uh, we have a service for you in our 11 o'clock service. But I guarantee you that you're going to learn something from this marital group. Can you say amen to that? Now... Please note that common law relationships are not considered biblical marriage. Okay. You know what common law means, right? Okay, well, let me just move on. Amen. So if you're taking notes, I want you to write down today's topic. It's called In the Beginning. In the Beginning. And before we get started, I always like to lay some ground rules. So just... You don't have to write these down, but here are some ground rules. Here's number one. Listen to each message for yourself. Don't waste your mental or emotional energy wishing and hoping that your spouse is getting what I'm saying. Okay? That's number one. Number two. Listen with an open heart so that the word can be planted. Number three, when listening, be honest with yourself and identify any area where you need to change. Because a lot of times when we listen to the word, we listen for what we already know. We don't listen to what we need to change. Number four, no elbowing or hitting in service. And no arguing on the way home about what I said. Number five, no silent treatments after hearing the message. Number six, I would encourage both people to either buy the CD or listen to the podcast that's free. Watch this at least three times this week so that your heart can be open to what God is saying to you. Can you say amen to that? Amen. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to find the book of Genesis And we're going to start in chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1. And uh, again, our lesson title is In the Beginning. If you're visiting us, we're going to take the whole month and I'm going to actually counsel you as a married couple. Amen. You can just pull me down a little bit. Just pull me down. All right. Now, before I get into the the scripture, uh, I heard a story about a lady whose husband was real ill. 
And so they went to the doctor and he got examined. And after the doctor examined him, he took the husband out and he brought the, the wife inside. And he said, listen, your husband has a disease and it's combined with, and when it's combined with stress, it will cause him to die. She said, well, what can I do to help? She said, well, every morning fix him a healthy breakfast. Make sure he's in a good mood. Okay? Have dinner prepared for him every evening. Never discuss your problems with him because that's going to stress him. Try to relax him in the evening by wearing lingerie. Okay? Give him plenty of back rubs. Encourage him to watch plenty of sports activities on TV. And most of all, make love to him several times a week and satisfy his every desire. Amen. So they got in the car to go home, and the husband said, what did the doctor say? She said, he, he said, you're going to die. You're going to die. You're dying, brother. We need to plan your funeral. I want to give us some signs that you are slipping in your commitment in your marriage. I'm going to give you some signs. Everybody say signs. I'm going to give you some signs that you are slipping in your commitment to God and to your spouse. Now, before I give you the signs, just remember that who you are married to, they are God's son or they are God's daughter. Amen. So here's number one to show you may be slipping. You have slowly stopped wearing your wedding ring or you take it off in certain situations. I'm just going to let that one settle. Now just look at your neighbor's hand. Here's number two. You have started bettering yourself to look good and get attention from the opposite sex and not for yourself or for your spouse. Basically, you dressing for the opposite sex. I'll say amen. Here's number three. You flirt to get attention and to give attention to see if someone is interested and to see if you still have it. Number four. You're very protective of your emails, text messages, voicemails, and phone calls. Just look at your neighbor and say, he's not talking to nobody in here. <laughs> Number five, you are satisfying your sexual appetites through other means other than your spouse. Number six, you're going out as if you are single without spousal consent or support i.e. partying, clubbing, you name it. What's the next number? Seven. You are hanging out with unhealthy company. They are either single, have, have unhealthy marriages, or they are just anti-marriage. Because some of you all have friends that are anti-marriage because they've had a bad experience. They're the ones that are just pushing you to get a divorce. Girl, you ought to divorce him. Man, I wouldn't stay with her. I'll say amen again. Here's the next one. If you could cheat or have an open marriage and get away with it, you would. That's a heart check right there. Here's the next one. When you are spending consistent time with a person 
or of the opposite sex. In other words, when you're spending time with someone who is of the opposite sex, when you're spending too much time and you start liking it. Mm-hmm. Here's the next one. When you can't talk to your spouse in front of your baby's mama or daddy. Hold on. See, I hear some of y'all saying, but it's my business. No, it's y'all's business. Here's the next one. When you have friends of the opposite sex that your spouse does not approve of. All right? So let's just keep your hand in Genesis because I want to start out with a verse. Uh, Go to Mark 10 very quickly. Mark chapter 10. I just want to start off with this verse. I was not going to start off with this verse. And the Lord gave it to me right before I walked up on the stage. Mark chapter 10, and uh, we're going to look in verse 2, because I want to answer a question that some of you all may be struggling with right now. Some of you all are struggling with the fact that uh, you're straddling the fence on whether you should get a divorce or not. Okay, so we're going to answer that issue up front, and then we're going to let God deal with you on the back. Okay? Now, outside of infidelity... And outside of spousal abuse, which nowadays is on both sides, there are more women going to prison now for domestic violence. But for any one of those two reasons, you shouldn't be divorcing. And even in one or two of those cases, you know, if a person repents and their life starts getting better and they go counseling and all that, it's up to you if you stay. But... In Mark chapter 10, look at verse 2. And the Pharisees came to Jesus. They said, is it lawful for a man to divorce or put away his wife? Because they were tempting him. And he said, what did Moses command you? They knew the law. They said, well, Moses allowed us to write a a bill of divorcement and put her away. And Jesus answered and said, for the hardness of your heart, he wrote this uh, you this precept. Verse 6. But from the beginning, everybody say from the beginning. What's the name of my lesson? In the beginning, right? He says, from the beginning, it was what? It was not what? Are you all with me? Okay, all right. From from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and his mother and and cleave to his wife. Now I'm going to jump down to uh, verse 8. And they too shall be one. So then they are no more two but one flesh. Wherefore, whom God has joined together. What does it say? When God put you together, you're saying, well, God didn't put me together. Yes, he did because he created marriage. Marriage was God's idea. So the moment you said, I do, you bought into his idea. You bought into his plan. You bought into his will. It's not his fault that you didn't have enough sense to pick who you thought you wanted. It's not your spouse's fault because you've changed. They haven't changed. They're the same yesterday and forever. You're the one that's changed. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a lie. Because some of you are saying, well, she gained weight. Well, let me tell you something. That's not the real you anyway. Which one? Okay, go to Matthew 19, 18, because that's the one I really wanted. Go to Matthew 19. My wife just helped me. Matthew 19, verses 18. 
All right. Matthew 19. I need to get to my lesson, but I'm okay, Lord. I'm obeying you now. You got to give me some room on the back end. All right. Okay, watch this. Matthew 19 verses what? Eight. Okay, here we go. They said in verse 7, well, Moses commanded to give a, a writing of divorcement and put her away. And then Jesus said, Moses did this because of the hardness of your heart. He suffered you to put your, put your wives away. But from the what class? From the what? From the beginning, read it with me, it was not so. The only reason people end up in divorce, other than the two reasons I listed, is because somebody's heart got hard. Now here's the danger, and I'm going to get into my lesson. Here's the danger of allowing your heart to get hard. There was someone that I know of uh, years ago, and their life individually started slipping spiritually. They got so off base that once you get off base spiritually, you become discontent in the, in the, in the natural. Okay? So they became, began to be discontent with their wife. They've been married for years now. So then I asked, because he, he came and told me, hey, I, I, I'm going to uh, divorce my wife. I, and then after I divorce my wife, I'm going to get my life back together with the Lord. <laughs> this is what he said. No, this is real. And I said, okay, all right, let's just take that analogy. And you divorce your wife and you, you get your life back right with the Lord. I said, what if the Lord tell you then to go back and marry your wife? Are you going to do it? He said, no. I said, listen, when you don't obey God, when you make a decision that big and it's in your flesh, there will always be a space in your heart that won't obey God. So you got to watch just up and divorcing because once you divorce and you call yourself getting your life back together, my question is, Will you have a whole heart enough to go back and obey God if he told you to go back and remarry the person? Look at your neighbor and say, I'm sticking with him. <laughs> now look at your spouse and say, I'm sticking with you. <laughs> now go to Genesis. Go to Genesis chapter 1. Go to Genesis 1. I have three points. I only have 20 minutes to give them to you. So here's the first point. In the beginning, man was spirit-led because his flesh was dead. Point number one, in the beginning, everybody say in the beginning. In the beginning, man was spirit-led because his flesh was dead. Now, in Genesis 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 27, I'm just going to read you the account. I'm going to start in verse 6, uh, 26. It says, and God said, let us make man in our image. And watch this, after our likeness. And let them, them who? Them men, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over all the cattle, the, all the earth, and over all the creeping things. Women, you can't step on spiders. Amen. So verse 27 says, So God created man, watch this now, in his uh, what? Own image. And in the image of God, Created he, him, watch this, read it with me, male and female created 
he, them. Now, I want you to realize the word image there means resemblance. He says, I'm going to make man in our image. He was saying, I'm going to make man in our resemblance. And if you noticed here, when he created man, that word man means meant mankind. And we know that because it says he created male and female, created he them. Then look at verse 28. And God blessed who? Who did he bless? So watch this. Who has dominion over the fish and dominion over the sea and dominion over the creeping things and all that? And then who has God blessed? He has blessed them. Everybody say them. Amen. So God's blessing was released while they were spiritual and it flowed into the natural because in this particular chapter, the physical part of man and woman has not been created yet. So this was the spirit. Everybody say spirit. See, we are first spirit, we have a soul, we live in a body. That's how God created Adam, and that's what happened. But see, when Adam messed it up, it became flip side. We soul, body, and then we, we have a human spirit, but then we have to get the Holy Spirit to become like God. So here we can see that God blessed them. Everybody say them. Now, here's a take-home thought I just want you to write down. Men and women are spiritually equal, but functionally different. Everybody say spiritually equal. See, if, 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 if we're not spiritually equal, that means God created man to be superior and women to be inferior. And that's not the case because we just read he made them both. The same at the same time and gave them both the same rights. Do you see that? Yes. Now I know back in the day, and especially some in some of the Bible days, it was more man driven. But but at the end of the day, men and women, God sees the same. In other words, our value are the same. It's our roles that are different. Can you say amen to that? So now go to Genesis five. I'm going to show you this one more time. Go to Genesis five. Look in Genesis 5, since we're in Genesis, look in verse 1. It says, this is the book of generations of Adam. In the day that God created man in the likeness of God, he made him. Male and female, watch this now, created he them and blessed them and called their name. What did he call their name? He called their name Adam. In the day they were created. Notice now God called both of them Adam. That's why when you get married, you should take on that man's name. Because God saw them as one. That's why they're, he said, I'm calling them Adam. Now see, something happened when, okay, let's go back to Genesis. Let's go now to chapter 2. Go to chapter 2. I want to show you the process and breakdown. Because see, in the beginning, man was spirit-led. Because his flesh was dead. Well, let's see what happened in Genesis chapter 2. Now, we're going to look now in verse, uh, let's look in verse 20, uh, let's look at verse 7 first. It says, And the Lord God formed man from the dust and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now, this man he's talking about is the, the physical sex man, Adam. And the Lord planted a garden in the eastward of, of Eden, and there he put the man 
he, whom he had formed. Now notice God gave that man a job before he gave him a wife. Every man that's married ought to be working. Now, unless something's wrong, you're on disability, that kind of thing. But, but see, uh, you should be providing for your house. Amen. Now, watch this. So he made Adam. He formed him. He put him in the garden and had him to do some work. Watch verse 15. And the Lord took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man. Watch this now. Who did he command? He commanded the man. Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. Because in the day that you eat it, you will what? You will surely die. Now let me ask you a question. Was Eve around when these instructions were given? She was not physically around when these instructions were given. So God was expecting this man to lead his wife with the instructions of God. And this is what frustrates a lot of women who are married when their husbands, they have to drag them spiritually. A woman was not designed to drag a man spiritually toward the things of God. He gave the instructions to the man first. And that's why when they ate the fruit, nothing happened to her. Nothing happened to her. It Nothing changed until he ate it. And then God, watch this now, after he ate the fruit, God did not go to the woman first. He went back to the same person he gave them first instructions to. And he said, listen, why did you eat the fruit? Well, what did that man do? He blamed his wife, which is what most men do. Can I get an amen from some of the women? I want to show you this too. I'm just going to show you this for a bonus. All right, watch this now. It says in verse 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helpmeet. If you notice, it was God's idea to give this man a wife. This man didn't even know he needed a wife until God said, You know what? I need him to have one. But notice he says, I'm going to bring him some help. Amen. Now, your wife can't help you if you ain't doing nothing. Okay. All right. Let's just keep going before a riot breaks out in here. Watch now in chapter 3. Well, look at verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept. And God took one of his ribs and closed up the what class? Everybody say the flesh. He closed up the flesh and the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man. He made a woman and then he brought her to the man. Notice now that God made or formed Adam's body from the dirt. But watch this. Adam's wife was already on the inside of him. So that's why God honors who you picked. 
Because you only picked what was coming from within you. Oh, so you want to divorce somebody that was already on the inside of you that you picked. Look at your spouse and say, you pick me. And then Adam said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. And watch this. She shall be called what? Woman, because she was taken out of the man. Now, here's the problem. Here's my next point. Here's my next point. When the flesh came alive, the spirit died. When the flesh came alive, remember now, when the spirit, as long as the spirit was the one leading, they stayed alive. But when the flesh came alive, the spirit died. Watch this. And this is important to know, and let me tell you why. Because it's the flesh in our marriage that kills it. Look now in chapter 3, and we're going to just read the account. And uh, it says in verse one. Now the serpent was more subtle than, than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, yes, has God said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, neither shall you touch it lest you die. See, I could just see Adam making that up. I don't think she got it wrong. I just think that he was like, look, the best way to keep her from eating it is to tell her God said don't even touch it. So he probably told her when she, you know, when he, she came out of his rib, hey, look, let me tell you something. See that tree over there? God said don't eat it or don't even touch it. Because you can't eat it without touching it, right? So I don't think she got it wrong. I just think he was, you know, it's just like men in, in your relationship. Uh, 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 baby, listen, um, we can't go on vacation because... Uh, we don't have enough money. But that's the money she see, not the money you got hidden away somewhere. Look at your spouse and say, are you hiding money? Watch this now. Man, there's a whole lot of stuff coming out of this thing. I'm going to keep reading. The serpent said unto the woman, you shall not die, for God knows if you eat it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God's, and you will know both good and evil. And here's the problem. When relationships start deteriorating, it's only because one person believed a lie. Because they were already in God's image. We read that. It said that God made both of them in his image, right? Okay, so what the devil was telling her was like, look, if you'll eat that, you'll be like God. She was already like God. So it's not until we be believe a lie in our relationship that problems start. And the lie may not even, look, you, you, you can just assume, okay, uh, he was late for work for the fifth time and uh, he wasn't answering his phone. And so you just assume he's cheating. If you believe that lie, then your actions will follow. Actions like checking his pockets, checking his phone, checking his messages, and then just drilling him like a sergeant. Where you been? What was your phone? Who were you with? What time did you leave work? Well, I called you. You didn't answer your phone. Did you check your voicemail? 
Did you read your text? She believed the lie. And when she saw that the tree was good and it was pleasant to the eye, she basically ate it. Watch this now. And in, ver- in verse 6 it says that she took it, the fruit, she ate it, and she gave it to her husband who was with her and he ate it. So watch this now. The whole conversation between the devil and the woman, the man heard it. Because he was standing there. It said he was with her, right? Okay, so it's not like he was in the field somewhere working. And she was talking to the devil and he just, she just brought him something. No, no, no. He was there the whole time. He heard the conversation. But when he saw that she, didn't, that she ate it and nothing happened, then he believed a lie that nothing will happen to you if you eat the tree. Because nothing happened yet. And the reason nothing happened yet because, watch this now, God, number one, gave him the instructions. But number two, the process of death, because he told them if you eat it, the day you eat it, you're going to die. Well, you're either going to die in one of three areas. Remember, what are we made out of? Spirit, soul, and body. So your soul has to be alive for your body to hold up itself, all right? And then your spirit is inside your body. So soul and body, she didn't kill over and die. Well, he couldn't see if she'd had spiritually died yet. So he just ate what she gave him. And when he ate it, watch what happened now. The eyes of both of them were open and they were what? They were naked. And they, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron. And they heard, they heard, not just him, they heard the voice of God walking in the garden. God had been talking to them the whole time. This is the first time they're hearing God from the outside in. Remember now, when they were spirit, he used to talk to them from the inside out. But when that spirit part of them died, he had to get a hold of them somehow. And that's why if you continue to read, it says in verse 9, and the Lord God called at him and said, where are you? Now, that's, that's, God knows where everybody is. But God was calling Adam spiritually, and Adam was not picking up the phone because his spirit man had died. Adam, 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 where are you, Adam, Adam? And God is like, where in the world is that boy? Adam couldn't pick up the spiritual receiver because his spirit man had died. So now God had to communicate with him from the outside in. And so for the first time, they are hearing God's voice with their natural ear. Watch what happened. He said, boy, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid. And then I was naked and I hid myself. And God said, who told you you were naked? He said, have you eaten of the tree that I commanded you not to? And he said, the woman is her fault. She gave me these kids. I didn't want these kids. I didn't know she was not on no birth control. I didn't know she had other kids by another man. 
It's that woman you gave me. When their flesh came alive, the spirit man died. Can you say amen to that? Now, let me just fast forward because, doggone it, I am out of time. Okay. Let me just fast forward. All right. Now, remember, in 2 Corinthians 5, it says we are new creatures in Christ. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. So the sin part that got messed up with Adam, God fixed that through Jesus Christ. Can you say amen to that? Okay. So now go to 1 Corinthians real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, because I want to show you something. I want to show you something. See, once your flesh, because see, now as newborn or uh, born again believers, we have a choice to, to live in the, in the flesh or the spirit. Because both of them are there. One of them is supposed to be dead, okay? But you can wake your flesh up. Amen. If you had a fight like a physical, your flesh is up. So we have a choice to live by the spirit or by the flesh. Now, let me just show you something. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Are you there? Say, I'm there. I'm going to start in verse 6. He says, I have planted Apollos water, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that plants anything, nor he that waters, but God who gives the increase. Now, he that plants and he that waters are one. And every man, watch this now, shall receive his own reward according to his own work or labor. Verse 9. For we are laborers together with God. You are God's husbandry. You are God's building. Verse 10. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation. This is where I'm going. Watch me now. He says, I've laid the foundation and another builds thereupon. But let every man, let every couple take heed how they build thereupon. He says, for other foundations can no man lay than that which is laid. And what is the foundation class? Okay, so when you get married, you both should have had Jesus Christ. And if you didn't and you have him now, good. Because now you're on the both spiritual same page. But he says here, let every man take heed how he builds on the foundation. Verse 12. Now, if any man, let, let me just read verse 11. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man builds... On this foundation. What's the foundation? So listen. When you get married. And Jesus Christ is the foundation. You have to watch what you put on that foundation of your marriage. In order for your marriage to succeed. If you build flesh things on top of that foundation. Guess what? It is going to corrode. In other words, if you walk in the flesh in your marriage. Most of the time your marriage is going to fail. But if you walk in the Spirit, because he goes on to say, now, verse 12, if any man builds thereupon this foundation, builds on Christ, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Those are just works of either the Spirit or the flesh. And I'll, I'll show it to you. Look in verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest. In other words, he's saying whatever types of work you put on the foundation of your marriage, whatever, that, if the works are Spirit, or the works of flesh, or gold, silver, precious stones. Remember, if gold go through fire, guess what's going to happen? It's just going to get purified, right? But what happens if wood, hay, and stubble go through fire? What's going to happen? It's going to burn up. And so if you and I, we live in the flesh, 
and we're putting works of the flesh on top of the foundation of our marriage, it is going to burn up. And that's what happens with most couples. They individually walk in the flesh. And they wonder why their relationship is not strong enough. I am out of time, and I didn't get to finish. But I am going to say this part right here. Uh, I'm going to keep reading. Verse 14. If any man's work remains that he built, he will receive a reward. But if any man's work is burned, he will suffer loss. So here's the deal. I'm going to fast forward again. My last point was this. We must become fruit-driven and not flesh-driven. Everybody say fruit-driven. And that's why, just go and read it. I'm not going to read it for you. Go to, go, if you go and read Galatians chapter 5, it talks about the works of the flesh. Remember, I told you now, you put some works on that foundation. If it's the flesh, it's going to burn up. He said the works of the flesh are manifest. And I like the living Bible. I'm just going to read the works of the flesh in the living Bible. Watch this now. He says, uh, when you're guided by the Holy Spirit, you need no longer force, no longer to force yourself to obey the laws. Verse 19, but when you follow your own flesh, your, your wrong inclinations, your lives will produce these evil results. Impure thoughts, eagerness for lustful pleasure, idolatry, spiritualism, that is encouraging the activity of demons, hatred, fighting, jealousy, anger, constant effort to get the best for yourself, complaints, being critical, the feelings that everyone else is wrong or your spouse is wrong and, and you are right, envy, murder, drunkenness, wild parties. He's saying, look, if you build those on your marriage, your marriage is going to corrode. And I believe there are a lot of us in this room who've been walking in the flesh. You know why your feelings get hurt so easy? Because that's the flesh. See, the Bible says the fruit of the Spirit, the first one is love. And then from love, you know what else comes? Joy, peace, goodness. In fact, let's just read those and then I, I'm just losing my new membership time. Praise the Lord. Uh, what did I tell you to go? Galatians 5, 16, just write that down. I want to read the fruit of the Spirit because this is what we ought to walk in in our relationship. He says, joy, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. That means self-control. Those are things that will help your relationship last. So let me just give you some steps real quick to living in the spirit. Number one, recognize you're in the flesh more than you are the spirit. That's the first thing. You got to recognize that, yeah, I, I walk in the flesh a lot. If you complain a lot, you're in the flesh a lot. Number two, make immediate changes for the betterment towards your relationship. I mean, make them right now. If you are a very critical person and all you do is criticize and you criticize more than you, you uplift, then today you need to stop. Right when you catch yourself criticizing, stop. Even if you have to stop in mid-sentence. Babe, I don't know why. Babe, I don't know why I love you so much. <laughs> catch yourself. 
Number two, number three, spend some time with God every day. Because if you don't spend time with God, your flesh is going to go up and your spirit is going to go down. Number four, ask your spouse for the top three things you can do right now to better your relationship. Now, this one might start a fight. So don't do this one right now. In fact, I don't even want you to ask them. I'm telling you now to give your spouse three things that they can do to better y'all's relationship. And let me tell you how you're going to do it. You're going to email it to them. You're going to email them, text them. But don't, don't confront them right off the front because, you know, they may not be ready for it. Okay, you, you with me? And then after you give them the three things they need to do, give them three things that they do so well and that you love them for. Okay, so hit them with the bad news first. And then hit them with the good news second. And then after you do that, forgive any past trash. Forgive it. You can't do nothing with it. Forgive it. Amen. And then number, number, the last one is get another married couple who loves God and love each other. They may not be perfect, but, but start hanging around with them. Because it's obvious your current uh, couples that you hang out with are not helping you. Oh, y'all didn't get that. Uh, in other words, your relationship is where it is because of who you with. So if you want it to change, you got to change. Now, I'm not saying dump them. I'm just saying seek somebody else out who's different and who they have it better going on than you. Amen. Did you get something even though it was rushed this morning? Now listen. Next week, I'm going to talk about how to overcome affairs. Now, that's not going to be my main, I'm going to deal with that because some people don't know how to get out of that. And once you understand what it takes to get out, some of y'all won't ever do it. Because some of y'all have been teeter-tottering. Amen. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here right now, and you know you've been walking in the flesh a lot in your relationship. You know it. You know it. You know it. You know it. I want to pray for you. So if you're here this morning, you say, Pastor Evan, I, I know I walk in the flesh a lot in my relationship. This has nothing to do with your reaction from what they did. I'm talking about your reaction. If you know you walk in the flesh a lot, Raise your hand and say, Pastor Edmund, would you pray for me? Right there, right there. Raise your, raise your hand, right there. Oh, my, my. Raise your hand. Real, real high, real high, real high. Oh, wow, wow, wow. Thank you. I see all the hands, all the hands, all the hands. Keep your hands up. I'm going to pray for you now. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see the hands that are raised. That means they have a desire to change. And I pray that you will strengthen them. I pray, God, that you will help them. Every time the flesh tries to rise up, God, they will remember this prayer. They will remember this time. They will remember this commitment. And I declare in Jesus' name that their flesh will not overcome their spirit. And Father, as they, as they feed their spirit your word and as they hear your word, as they pray in the spirit, God, they'll be able to react 
and respond better to their spouses. And I pray, God, that your grace will be on them. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here today and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life,